Hello and welcome into the Nittany Gritty, a podcast presented to you by New Amendment. I am your host, John Sauber, Penn State football and men's basketball beat writer for the Senate Daily Times. And I am joined by Penn State men's basketball legend, Tim Frazier. Tim, how's it going? What's going on, John, man? Doing all right. How about yourself? It's been a week. Uh, you know, football season is supposed to end and... I am supposed to not have to focus on football so much, but here we are. We got coaches getting fired, kids committing, transfer portal stuff. I like listen. I, I'm sure you wish. I'll say this up front. I think the transfer portal is a good thing, right? Like you know, mm-hmm. athletes deserve agency and stuff like that. But like, man, just like let's make some decisions and get this thing rolling. Like let's uh, let's get a move on here. I'm sure. I'm sure you would have stayed committed to Penn State though, had you had the transfer portal when you were there. I don't know if I'm a fan of the transfer portal. Listen, <laughs> I just think really? that, you know, no, I just believe that you make decisions and you got to live up to those decisions. You know, I, I get it in certain situations where things don't work out and you have to leave. But now I just see like, hey, I get one little knockdown. I get knocked down once and it's like, you know what? This isn't for me. There is no adversity where guys got to get up and fight through stuff. Like, you know, yeah, I remember when I first my first year at Penn State, I was ready to leave. I was like, oh, man, coach don't like me. I'm not playing, you know, this and this and that. And it ended up being a great decision. I stayed four years and, you know, I make a great basketball career out of it. You know, so I just – I'm not a fan of the transfer reporter. I Me, mean, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I just think now it's just like, hey, that's just the easy cop-out for everybody. You know what, let's leave, go to the big-name schools, and then from there come back, you know, we leave and go back home to the school that was by our parents' house, you know. Well, listen, I'll say that the the biggest advantage to me is like coaches can leave whenever they want, right? Like they, oh, okay. they get that kind of option. Like players should have that option too, right? Like that is the importance of it. I, I tend to agree with you, right? I don't think it's – I don't necessarily think it's a good thing to like leave at the first sign of trouble. Like I think yeah. that's its own separate issue. But I also think a lot of the guys who do that, like coaches vet that before they take them. So those mm-hmm. guys maybe tend to have a harder time finding that next school because they know like, oh, they just had a little bit of adversity and bailed, right? Like it's not – um, you know, necessarily for the, the best reasons. And, and sometimes, like, listen, guys play at one level, realize they're not good enough to play at that level, got to drop down, right? So you can play and and, and do what you want to do. So I get it. Like, I, I understand, like, I, I, I'm i with you on, like, the leaving at the first sign of adversity. But you mentioned your career, and I actually heard a story that I wanted to mention to you. Oh, man. Do you remember <laughs> your flight home from the 2011 NCAA tournament? What? Flight back to Penn State or flight back to... The- Yes, no, the, the flight back to Penn State when uh, you were on the, the runway for a while because some oh, people yes. in the band like had a little too much going on and suddenly there were a little too many people out there on the tarmac waiting for everybody. I, I kind of hear that. I, I kind of remember that a little bit. Like we, we were sitting there waiting. We couldn't get off the plane for a while because everybody, yeah, somebody was on there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, was, so it was, I, I don't know if you, maybe you don't know the full story here. Evidently, and this is from some people who were on that flight who, uh, you know, because back then they used to take reporters and everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, because it, it was a trip to Tucson, which like the NCAA did you guys dirty with that one. Uh, but that's a story mm-hmm. for another day. Uh, but you guys get back and there was a band member who drank too much because the flight left earlier than everyone anticipated. And so they had a panic attack on the way down. And so they had the cops waiting for you. It's like five in the morning, whatever it was. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I, listen, I'm kind of glad for you that you don't fully remember this story. Cause like from the people that were awake, awake at five in the morning, it sounded like a nightmare. Yeah. It was a nightmare for me. Cause if, I hate to relive this, but people always say, you know, I had the Juan Fernandez for Temple hit the game when it shot on me for us to lose. 
Yeah. So I was kind of like, hey, man, let's just get home. I kind of had my head down the road. But that's probably why I didn't get the full story about that, man. I was trying to make sure I get get away from everybody because I know I felt like I had eyes looking on me, looking at me the whole flight home. Well, on the bright side, I think the eyes were looking elsewhere once you guys landed. Uh, I don't think that was too much of an issue once everyone realized what was going on there. Right. But let's let's you know let's talk about this year's team, right? Because we talk about 2011. That's the last time Penn State made the NCAA tournament, and it kind of looks like this this year might break that streak. So let's get into the X's and O's of what happened in the team's last game against Wisconsin. Uh, a loss for Penn State, 63-60 on the road at the Cool Center, which uh, I was, I mean, I guess I wasn't that surprised to to hear that Penn State has never won at the Cool Center, right? Like the last time Penn State has won uh, in Wisconsin in general, like in Madison, I was, I think, like eight months old or something like that, like that in 1995. Uh, so it's been a while, and, and Penn State had a chance in this game. Uh, I mean, it's, in case it isn't obvious by the three-point loss, uh, and did what they, they've done a few times this year, right? Up at the half, blow it again. Like, are you seeing anything out of these half times that is causing this? Because once it, it was like a ten-two run for Wisconsin that that did Penn State in this time, right out of halftime. That's the trend. If you look at all the losses, especially the losses in the Big Ten, they get up, they they start well, get up like you said. And then for the first half and then the second half, they kind of just start slow. I don't know if it was whatever they need to do, they need to change because it, that 10 to 2 run by Wisconsin hurt them. You know what I mean? It gave them more juice. And and when you play Wisconsin, it's very in, in the gym, it's very cold, it's very slow. It's not very loud and crazy as you would think when you go to other 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 teams, uh, venues. But so you need to stay on top and continue to be a, above them as far as the scoring goes. And then when you when you get down, it's hard to it's hard to get back up on top because the way they play the game, they slow the ball down. Everything's real slow. And again, I keep mentioning how freezing cold it is when you play there. Like it's just literally just freezing cold. And and it really it really is a shame that we keep talking about this every week after the losses. That hey man, they started slow in the second half. Usually we're either talking about hey we need a big man or hey the team is slow. And um, right, there's no big man coming, you know, right now. There's no experienced big man coming. So the only thing that we really need to focus on and really need to change is starting the second half with a with better spirit, better intensity, whatever it needs to be done. I don't know what they need to do in halftime. They need to do jumping jacks or get out earlier, get layups more going, going fast enough. You know, it's little stuff like that is, that's going to be needed because if they want to flip this team, this thing around and, and take off where we believe that this team can take off, they have to get that going in the second half. Yeah, and, and like they still need to make up for a, a home loss, right? In conference right. again, we talk about ten and ten in the Big Ten's the goal. Uh, that Purdue game's a home game, right? And and you mm-hmm. lost that one, so you're kind of you're kind of behind the eight ball a little bit there. And and to me, this was the chance, right? Like this was uh, this was a big time opportunity to go into Wisconsin, do something the program hasn't done, and winning at the Cool Center. And like it just, I don't know, watching it, it felt like coming out of halftime. It was very much a here we go again type thing, right? Because yeah. it was. It was a six-point lead at halftime, and then suddenly it's forty to thirty-eight, and like it was like, well, yeah, this is about how this is going to end. And I don't, I don't think they ever regained the lead from that point either. Like you said, like once Wisconsin gets on you, like you can claw back in, but it's really tough to overtake them again because they are trying to slow the game down because they want the pace to be slower. So it, it, it's it, they put themselves in a really difficult situation. Uh, and like you even look at the numbers, like nothing stands out as that bad, right? Like they were eight of twenty from three. That's forty percent. Like that's great. You only took 20. Team wants to shoot like 28 to 30. Uh, but right. still, 20 is fine. Like, it's not the end of the world. 
I think the 10 turnovers were a little bit of a problem, but again, the team only, the team averages around nine. So it's not like Mm -hmm. it was that big of a deviation. So it was just that, that little stretch, right? You come out of halftime and suddenly you can't like, you can't make anything. And it's weird because this team is old, right? Like it's a, it's a bunch of seniors. It's a bunch of juniors. It's a bunch of guys that are playing a ton of college of basketball. Yeah. And and like, I I don't know that I've ever seen a, a, a team that experienced come out that slow out of halftime over and over and over again. Mm. Yeah, you you said it, man. You you don't expect that from juniors and seniors, man. Those guys got to come up right away and be locked in, excited, and understand what what they what they're facing. It's not just this is not non conference. It's not the first second game in a season. This is conference play against Wisconsin on the road after just you know losing the game to Purdue. You know we have to be, we got to get back on track. We got to get back win- onto our winning ways, and we have to be able to do. Or they just want to beat Indiana, but I'm saying they just have to get back on track to the things that we know. We can't just keep going one and one, topsy turvy, win one, lose one, win one, lose one. We have to string streak streaks, and that's what great teams do. They're able to win streaks. Like we, you know, you think about right now, like the Memphis Grizzlies won 11 games in a row. Boston is Boston Celtics has won seven games in a row. You know these these, these teams that that are at the top of the mountains that everybody's chasing these guys are the ones that are that put put streaks together and right now Penn State we can't we can't I, I say we because I think about myself even when I was playing <laughs> we, playing there we can't put streaks together I think you know I, I, I would love to know this stat how long how many what's the longest streak of Penn State in conference play wins you know what I mean I, I'm sure it, it can't be more than two or three in a, in a very very long time and in order for this team, we keep saying, in order for this team to be great and, and and achieve the goals that they want to achieve, they have to start better in the second half. And like you said, it's either rebounds or start the second half better. And when you look at the rebounds, they were even, 32 to 32, you know, in the game. So, you know, it's not the rebound here. It was the slow start. Wisconsin ran their game plan. And from there, you know, we, we get a chance to win it at the end. Once again, you get one of those calls. The Penn State basketball call that you get, you know what I mean, but can go either way and usually goes the other way. But at the end of the day, you can't put yourself in that position. And, you know what I mean, you know going in the game, especially on the road, it's going to be tough for, for us to get the call when we really need to get the call. And to put yourself in that position hurts, and it sucks. Yeah, and and listen, I the call you're talking about, of course, is Chucky Hepburn comes over, draws a charge on Jalen Pickett where Hepburn was late. Kind of only made contact with Hepburn's shoulder while Hepburn was leaning forward. Like, listen, I don't know many arenas where that is going to be a charge. Uh, even even if you were Penn State playing on the road, right? Like, I saw that call and, like, you know, I talked to some people around the program and everything. They're like, no, it was a good call. I'm like, listen, I understand what you're saying. I disagree, right? Like, to me, that is... Uh, that's a play on, like, it's not a block. It's not a, tra- he came over late. If anything, it should be a block, right? Because he came over late yes. and you don't want, um, you, you don't want to reward guys for coming over late. Cause then you get situations where you guys get undercut guys get hurt. Mm-hmm. Like to me, that needs to be out of basketball in general. Like I hate I charges thought- in general too, because like yes. it rewards that stuff. Yeah. But, and I thought he did a good job of trying to miss him. You know, usually when you think about charges, like, Hey, yes. he couldn't miss him. He literally just ran straight over him. But for here, I think he did a good job of jumping to the side and trying to miss him. My thing is, like you said, I, I think if anything, it's a block. But if 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 you don't know and you're not sure, I'd say no call. And my thing is, at the end of the game, for that type of that type of environment, at the end of the game, you let that be a play on, you know, and and let Pickett be the player that he is and have to have to score that to win the game, you know, or put the team back, uh, put the team up one. So like again, yeah, and, and like mm-hmm. it. it it's one of those situations where 
Pickett is is playing at such a high level too, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm not like a big time superstar calls guy, but they get them right. Like the best players yeah. get them. Uh, Zach Eady gets his fair share of calls. Mm-hmm. And listen, like Pickett's one of the best players in the Big Ten, right? He's he's on pace right now for for my money to be an All American. Like he has been mm-hmm. one of the best players in the country, one of the best guards in the country, the best guard in the Big Ten. And like you're not going to give him that, right? And like you said, he mostly got out of the way. Like he grazed Hepburn's shoulder when Hepburn was like leaning in a little, uh, and, and Pickett had already gathered by the time that you know what I mean. Yeah. Hepburn got over there, and it was one of those things where the rebound, by the way, comes right to Pickett. Like he's getting that ball back and he's putting it up. It's probably a layup, and they probably take the lead. Um, but at the end of the day, that's not the only reason they lost. Like we talked about losing the halftime lead. Uh, I, I thought Seth Lundy kind of had this might have been one of his worst games of the year. Like it just didn't feel yeah. like he was there. Right. And as your second leading score, like you kind of can't have that, uh, a guy that shoots as much as he does to, to shoot one, three, uh, to have a couple bad turnovers. He hit miles dread on a, in a, in a pick and roll when, when, when dread was rolling to the rim and miles good, a lot of things. Uh, I would not be hitting him on the move, uh, you know, in, inside the arc, uh, for, <laughs> uh, for, you know, trying to get a layup on a roll. And, and so like, it was one of those things where it was like, Man, you can you can tell he doesn't have it, and so they kind of had to make up for that. You did, you know. At the end though, they get two good looks for Andrew Funk, and like sometimes they don't just they just don't fall. Uh, some of that was like the the mastery of Micah Shrewsbury after a timeout, right? They they run mm-hmm. the the picket post up on the weak side, and they run that cycle screen at the top of the key, right at the nail, basically until Funk came free uh, and, and gets an open three, and it just doesn't yeah. fall. And you know he's a great shooter; he shot thirty eight percent in the game, but. But I think this is one that, like, in the long run, they could be kicking themselves for because this was this was a chance to make up for that loss uh, at home. Yeah, of course, I, I, they got to be upset knowing that. Hey, man, we had a a tremendous shot shot of taking a game on the road, and you know, and the Big Ten is so tough from top to bottom, and win games on the road. And you had this opportunity. I think I, I believe Penn State is the better team. You know, that's, you know, obviously it might be a little biased, but I believe they're a better team when you look at from their their best players to Wisconsin's best players when it came down to it. But again, what you said uh, about about Lundy having one of his worst games, I feel like we that's another trending trending topic that we keep going against. If it's not Lundy, it's Funk, it's Winter, you know, one of those guys never not stepping up or having bad games. Where we look at it and was like, hey, he wasn't there. He didn't have it today. Or he couldn't make a shot. Or both those guys. Or even when Dredd, him and him and um, Funk couldn't make threes in one of those games as well. Like, we we need to find that second guy that's going to be consistent as much as Pickett is going to be. We need two. We need those two guys, those seniors, to be able to be able to be consistent throughout the game. We don't need you to. We don't need them to score twenty points a game or have or shoot the lights out how they did against Indiana with the seven threes each. We don't need them to do that, but we need them to be consistent enough to where they are able to help and take some of that pressure off Pickett and relieve some of themselves. Like you know, we look at the they're playing forty minutes for Pickett, thirty eight for Funk, twenty four for Winter, twenty two for Lundy. 30 for dread you know we're looking at the list though all we we only playing eight guys you know and, and we need the, a balanced scoring and a balanced help throughout the whole team for this team to be successful because eventually like the big 10 season is a long way and you you're going against a lot of different teams a lot of guys banging up banging banging against you and we need to be able to be the best we can be when we talk about tournament time yeah and, and you know you mentioned the 22 minutes for lundy like part of that was a little bit of foul trouble but part of it yeah. was like I think Shrewsbury saw that he just kind of didn't have it, right? And, yeah. like, when when you're not helping the team, right, when you're not furthering the cause, like, you kind of have to, you know, sit the bench, right? Like, and, yeah. and credit to, to Shrewsbury for, like, 
benching a guy that's ostensibly right, their second best player, you know, and he yeah. sat him for an extended stretch because he could tell he didn't have it. And, you know, it's good wherewithal, but at the end of the day, like they got to have more depth. Like you said, they got to have more guys step up. But the biggest thing is, again, don't let this turn into the next one because this right. has happened in the past with Penn State basketball. You know it. I know it, right? Like you lose one. Does it become two? Does it become three? And and so now, like, let's look at the scouting report. Let's look ahead because what comes next is important. Uh, it is a chance to rebound against a Nebraska team that, listen, if you had to pick teams to play in the Big Ten, like, there aren't many that you want to play, but Nebraska is like, it's all right. Uh, That being said, Nebraska, last night, we're recording here Thursday afternoon, beat Ohio State, which is, like, and and usually for Penn State, the team loses, so then they're motivated coming in, so I'm sure this will be a welcome sight for Penn State that that's not the case, but still, like, that's a good Ohio State team, and Nebraska beat them. Uh, This is not exactly a a walk-in-the-park game where, you know, you can be like, Oh, okay. We got Nebraska at home. We're good. It's a two fifteen. It's a Saturday. Like there are other factors at play here too. Like, and Penn State needs to be careful because Nebraska is they they play similarly to Penn State. They try and shoot from deep. They try and generate high efficiency shots from deep and at the rim. And and like they're not coming in to roll over. I'll tell you that much. No, of course not. You know, what I mean, first off, Nebraska is probably the longest travel <laughs> in the Big Ten from Penn State, so they're coming for a long ways away. And I know they're not coming on that plane and say, hey, you know what, let's just, let's just compete tonight. You know, they just went in and beat Ohio State. A little vacation in State College. Yeah, no way. It's right. <laughs> I think I think that game was at Ohio State that they won, correct? Or no, am I wrong? Huh, John? It was at Ohio State uh, no, they you, won uh, or uh, it was in Nebraska? That, that was at home. That was, that was at home. It was in Nebraska. But okay. still, like, you know, that yeah, is uh, a three-day's turnaround heading to Happy yeah. Valley. Yeah, man, they're coming off feeling good about themselves. They're coming all the way to Happy Valley. They just saw that we, they just lost to, we just lost to Wisconsin as well. So, man, they're coming in feeling good. They, they think they can get another one and start a streak. The same thing that Penn State is thinking when they're coming off of, uh, of one game or just before they went to Wisconsin. So, man, this, like you said, so many factors play into this. this early game, Saturday game, you know, everybody's, you know, no school, whatever, whatever your excuse might be. We have to get up early, this and this and that for the game. Might not be as many fans. Who knows, you know, and – but you can't. You have to leave all those excuses at the door. You understand what your your end goal is, and I can continue to say that the end goal for this team is to make the tournament, be the best team they can be. And for that, they have to leave all that all the excuses at the door. Hey, we banged up. Hey, I didn't shoot the ball well. Hey, we didn't get a lot of we can get a lot of rest. Hey, I had a test here. I had some homework. Got a paper due here. All that stuff means nothing. Once you step inside the locker room and you you sit there with your brothers and you get ready for that game, it's time to play. And right now you got your next opponent is Nebraska. They just came from a win. Now you got to put them and put them in a losing category and you got to take care of home. And that's the main thing. You know, if we talk about splitting 10 and 10 in the Big Ten. You have to try to take care of home right now. And you can't lose games that you're not supposed to lose. And you look at this on paper. This paper says Penn State Penn State's supposed to win this game. Yeah. And and, and like like you said, 215 is not easy on a Saturday. I can attest to that as someone who is took a look at the time for the game on Saturday. And I was like, man, there are going to be multiple. Long- I-, I think I've said it before on here. I am a night owl, right? Like I sleep mm-hmm. until noon most of the time, uh, which is even more impressive for me that I, that I wake up at noon to do this. Uh, I'm very proud of myself for that. Uh, <laughs> but like, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, I got to set some alarms. Like I got to make sure I'm good to go. And it's like, I don't have to do anything. I got to go sit and press row and like get on my laptop and write a story. Like I don't have to do physical activity. So mm-hmm. I don't envy these guys for having to play right at, at you know, those earlier games. They, they don't seem fun, uh, but you're right. Like it's still, it, it, you know, who else to play at that time? Nebraska, right? Like it's yeah. not just Penn state that has to get up early and they have to travel in from Lincoln. So like this mm-hmm. is, everything is, is an advantage sort of for Penn state heading into this game. 
they should not lose this game. Like this is, and, and the last time they played, by the way, uh, in uh, the Bryce Jordan Center in Nebraska, blew out Penn State last season. Uh, I remember very emotional game for John Hara. Like he, you know, he really did not want to lose that game. It was his last game uh, at the BJC, I believe. And like it was a tough loss. And, and Micah brings that up in, in, at every press conference, right? Like where it's like, hey, everyone overlooks him. But the last time they uh, they came in here, he always says it did not look good for the Nittany Lions, right? And so mm-hmm. uh, it is it is not a matchup that they they should be overlooking. That being said, like it is tough to find an advantage for Nebraska heading into this, right? Like, no, I don't know. I. <laughs> You look at them like Sam Griesel was supposed to be good for North Dakota coming out of North Dakota State. He's their second leading scorer, but you know he's not been really efficient this year. He's not making free throws. He's not shooting threes. He's he's mostly trying to operate in the mid range and in. He's he's a six seven guard, but like I mean that's the kind of guy you just put Lundy on and you're good with it, right? You give up yeah. these inefficient shots that that uh, you want him taking, and he may want to take them, but like they're not they're not great looks mm-hmm. for Nebraska. So like I, I you know you pour over this one and and man they. It would. This will be a brutal loss. If if this this would be the kind of loss that if they lose this game, it makes me reevaluate me reevaluate maybe what I thought the team was going to be and where I thought they could go. Yeah, hundred percent. But I'm gonna try not to keep speaking out in the air, and I'm gonna say, hey, Penn State's gonna take care of business, you know, because they are. <laughs> and I think a credit to that is to coach. I think I think coach has. You, you know, we speak about him even how great he is, how great he is as a person. Last um, last segment. But I think he'll have these guys ready. I think he'll he's gonna jump on them. He's gonna let them know like, hey man, we dropped the ball. And you know, I think there's gonna be some tough practices these next two days, getting ready for this game. And um, it has to be, you know, because I think he understands what the goal is. I think I know the players understand what the goal is, but do they know what it takes to really understand what they can't drop and what the games and that they must win? And this is a must win game for the season. You know, I, I hate to say it so, you know so early but it's a must-win game for the season and they have to win this game and and get ready for the next one yeah and and the next one is uh not easy right if they're going i I don't i think it's jersey mike's arena now i always call it the rack but like rutgers (laughs) like sucks to play at it is not a fun arena for opponents teams have a bad time there uh and listen rutgers is good like they're legitimately good they're ranked 23rd right now 13 and 5 on the season Cliff Omorori, uh, apologies if I pronounce that incorrectly. I think I got it, but like he he was a five star recruit out of high school, right? Like he's a a big, athletic, big man that can give them trouble, especially as a rim runner. They don't have the rim mm-hmm. protection that you'd want to protect in the pick and roll. Uh, this is like that is, you know, we we talk about like games that you can get on the road. Listen, I'm going to be honest with you. One and one feels like a win over these next two games for Penn State because, like, that Rutgers game is not going to be easy. Teams just don't go into there and, and beat them. And, and like, I don't know if Penn State is the matchup that uh, necessarily scares Rutgers heading into that game. Yeah, it's going to be tough. You know, again, you talk about going on the road and, you know, playing in Rutgers is not – I think my when I was there, my last year was the first year Rutgers was in. I don't even think we, I got to go there. But I, you know, I've visited. I've seen Rutgers visited being there as well. How how tough it is and how tight it is in there. Um, and nobody thought Rutgers was gonna be this team. You know, what I mean, they knocked off what two top right. twenty five teams. Like, and it and it's just a feeling of they're feeling themselves and they're feeling good. They're top twenty five. You know, I think this is the first week they're top twenty five right now. So you have to bring your A game. You know, they're feeling themselves and they're at home. I don't know who they have before they have us, but. You got to come in. I, you got to take care of business on Saturday, and then from there, I continue. Like I said earlier, we have to start pulling on some streaks. 
of of games of, of W's, and and this is a, another great test. You go to Rutgers, you win that game in Rutgers. It's gonna be a tough game. It's gonna come down to the end. You know, like one one or two possessions of what you can um, of what is going to happen to to determine that game. So you need to start well, which I Penn State you normally does to start well. You need to start the second half well. And then from there, finish the game. You know, it's a three-point thing. It's a, it's a three stages. Start the game well, start the second half well, and finish the game. And it's easier said than done. But I think it's capable. And I think these guys are capable. That coach is going to have them capable and ready to be able to do that. But it will be a tough game to win. But I think it's possible because they went on the road and they won tough games already before. And, and when when you can make as many shots from deep as Penn State can, you're kind of never going to be out of it. Right, uh, right. It's just not one that I'm pegging as a win right now, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and and the thing with Rutgers is, so Cam Spencer, uh, transfer from Loyola, Maryland, will light teams up from deep. He, like yeah. a bunch of Penn State players, will just start gunning from deep uh, mm-hmm. and, and will make a bunch of threes and sort of put you out of it early. Uh, but like you said, though, they have they have like some really impressive wins. They, they go on the road against Northwestern. They beat Purdue on the road. <laughs> like they were right. Purdue's first loss, I believe, this season. Yes. On the road. Loss. They went into Mackey and beat Purdue. Yeah, it, well, and, and that's it's crazy, right? Like teams just don't do that, and like for for that to happen is, uh, I mean, it says a lot about the the way the program is run currently and the momentum they have. Uh, they just got a commitment from a twenty twenty four five star recruit too, so it's hmm. like things are rolling in Rutgers in a way that I'm not gonna lie, uh, I did not anticipate. Uh, Steve Pikeul like is a great coach, but it is, uh, you know, the way things are going is not a way I thought they would go, but. But like you said, like they're going to have a chance. They they need to make those shots, though. It's all going to come down to shooting from deep. Um, but, you know, that's been the story of this Penn State season. And I think that's a good place to take us to the word on campus here. We're kind of at the midpoint, right? Like, And we're getting yeah. close to the midpoint of Big Ten play. And it, I think this is a good chance to reevaluate maybe what we thought heading into the season. I know we both thought they would make the tourney. I think we both said that they would be on the fringes of it, but this was like the chance to to, to eclipse that if they could get things going in a positive direction. Mm-hmm. I said earlier, like, I still think that's the case. Do you still think this is a touring team? Yes, I, I believe so. I, I think just in the start that you have in Pickett. Well, let's first, first and foremost, I think yes, because of the coach you have. Um, you, have you know, in Shrewsbury, and, he, and just we keep saying the type of person he is and the coaching and the X and O's is that he has and how much he can get this team rolling and how much confidence he's given those guys. I think you have a star and pick it. You know, like you said, maybe All-American, you know, rebound, assist, score. He does it all. You have shooters that, you know, knock down threes. And I think the only weakness you look at is, you know, coming out of the second halves and, and rebounding. I just think that this team has to be able to put it together. And, and, and again, we're talking to, like I think I, I've been I've been hard on them. I think you, we kind of starting to feel hard on them because of the losses. But at the end of the day, it's the Big Ten, and that's what the Big Ten is all about. People, we, literally, Big Ten beats up on each other all year, all the whole all year long, <laughs> until until the end, and, until they get into the tournament, and then we get six to eight teams in. You know, and that's just how it goes. And I think Penn State is going to be one of those teams. They just have to be able to withstand these punches. And, and these losses that they have and, and give out and make some wins. You know what I mean? You, you get knocked down. You have to be able to knock guys knock, knock guys down too. And that's exactly what this is going to be. It's going to be like, how many times are you going to get knocked down? How many times are you going to stand up? You know what I mean? <laughs> Because you're going to, we're going to, you're going to, we, you and I both said that we weren't going to go undefeated. It's going to be tough. 
and, and you know, we've seen some of these losses and we're slapping ourselves like, man, I can't believe we lost that game or we shouldn't have lost that game. I know the guys are doing it. But at the end of the day, they're cheering like, hey, we just beat Illinois on the road. You know, it's the same way. Like in Illinois saying, hey, we shouldn't have lost that game. Like we talk about this, the Rutgers team as well, about how they won these games. I know they're sitting there saying, hey, I can't believe we lost to Iowa at home. And, and Penn State beat Iowa. You know, so it, it it goes around like this. It just people we're just knocking each other down. Big Ten, Big Ten, just just it's, it's just a dog fight every night. But I still believe this team is a tournament team. I think they have the pieces to become a to be a tournament team. It's just things have to start going in a, in an upper direction right now. I feel like again we're right here, still even. We're still even as if we just started the Big Ten, and and it's time for us to start trending upwards and up up on the hill. Yeah, I, I agree with pretty much everything you said there. And I think the biggest thing that's going to uh, indicate whether or not they can take that that upward trajectory is what happens with some of these freshmen. Um, you know, Keba Jai hasn't hasn't been great as a five. You know, he's he's been and listen, I, I know like, you know, you go on like the message boards, which are like their own thing. Uh, and like <laughs> there are people that are heavily critical of Keba Jai. He is 18. Look yeah. at the 18 year old centers around the country. Five star recruit Derek Lively is not playing all that well for Duke, right? Uh, you know, Belfont mm-hmm. native Derek Lively at that. But like, it is it is not easy to play that position, and it's really not easy to do it as an 18 year old. He turned 18, yeah. I think, in August or September too. So it's not like he is like he is actually like very much could be in high school right now. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and, and like it, it is, uh, he's 19. Sorry, I believe. But either way, like it is. This is a young young kid playing the five in the big 10 it's not fun he's not having a good time with some of these guys right like zach Eady and hunter dickinson aren't easy to deal with and i think he's doing a commendable job but i don't think he is the freshman that changes things right i think that's evan mahaffey uh and we've seen more of evan mahaffey of late he played his career high in minutes uh in this past game i think it was 21 uh but either way like you're seeing that uptick and man, the energy he brings on defense, the energy he brings on offense, the help he brings on the on the glass on both ends of the court. He's an excellent passer. He basically was uh, the lead ball handler in high school at six foot seven, uh, which is not easy to do as a high school kid. Uh, he he's not a great shooter. He takes a while to, to take a shot, but when you know he when he has his feet set and he has some time, he can probably shoot like thirty six percent right now. He made a three uh, against Indiana with his feet set, and the entire bench went nuts. It was very funny to watch, uh, but like. He is he is the guy to me moving forward that if his role increases and he continues to adjust to the Big Ten and continues to play well, he can be the X factor. He can be the one that determines how good the team can be moving forward. I know that's a lot to put on a freshman. I'm not saying he's yeah. the best player. I actually do kind of think he is their third best player right now. But it, if he keeps bringing that energy and bringing that juice, and maybe the solution, by the way, out of halftime is having Evan on the court, right? Like it's having mm-hmm. him there to like put a stop to things because uh, he he's one of those defenders that kind of just puts fires out everywhere. He reminds me of DeAnthony Melton, current Sixer, former mm-hmm. Grizzly, yeah, former yeah, USC yeah. Trojan, who just like it feels like he's everywhere, right? And like it mm-hmm. just feels like it, it's sort of like an octopus. He just has his tentacles on everything. He gets his hands on everything. He's making things difficult. And, and if, if there's a step forward to be taken in season, like, listen, there, there's a case to be made that he should be starting in general. But I think at the very least, he should be, you know, someone that, that gets looked at to start those second halves at this point. You hit it right on the head. I think that's one of the biggest things as a freshman is when, you, when you're in situations where you're playing with a lot of seniors, a lot of juniors and very experienced guys is you have to find your role, find your niche to be able to get on the court. And his niche right now is hustle. It's not necessarily, hey, he's in, like you said, it takes him a time to knock down a shooter. He's not strapping the guy, you know, full court. He's not, 
He's not making the best assists, but one of the things he can do, he's just hustling. He's just going to hustle on offense, hustle on defense, and that's going to get him on the court. And I think that's something that is going to be needed, you know, in the long run. And as you can see, his minutes are starting to grow. I mean, his coaches are starting to um, feel more trust in him, you know. And I think those trust is going to is going to pay off. And it's going to be needed, but at the same time, I know just being as, as when I was a freshman about how necessarily sometimes. The coach might trust in you, but he's going to roll with his guys. And right now you see the guys that that coach is rolling with. He's rolling with those eight guys and seven guys, really, six maybe. You know, he's rolling with those guys. But to be able to just get a couple of little here, tidbits here and there and be able to help the team is going to go a long ways. And, uh, you know, props to, props to that kid, man. You got to keep doing what he's doing, trying to affect the game in many ways, whatever, how many minutes he gets. Yeah, and you know, to his credit, uh, pretty much double-digit minutes uh, since conference play started. You know, Quinnipiac mm-hmm. and Delaware State are like whatever games he didn't play double-digit minutes then. But since early conference play, right, he only played eight, I think, against Michigan State. But it's been double-digit since. Uh, mm-hmm. Cracked twenty for the first time. Like, I know they were really high on Mahaffey out of high school, and, and like for good reason, right? You can see it, and and you mentioned the hustle. And like you're right in that like the passes aren't always there and he's not always strapping a guy up full court. But like sometimes he can't, right? Because he's so long and he's so athletic. He's a little thin, which is not an in-season fix. Uh, but like that's fine as long as you're active and, and you're you're disruptive. I think, you know, they've kind of been playing him as their backup five, essentially. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that works if you're trying to play small and if, you know, the 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 purpose of the five is less Brooke Lopez and more Giannis, right? And to be clear, not a one-to-one comparison. He's not Giannis. <laughs> but like that style of like hyperactivity, like being long, being in passing lanes, being disruptive. Uh, I think that can really work in the college game, especially in the Big Ten where things are a little slow, things are a little right, plodding. Right. And so if you bring some juice, you bring your own energy, like you're going to have a chance to be super disruptive. And, you know, to me, that's like that's the guy you point to, like the the yeah. the rest of the year, like, all right, if this is a go, like if this is um, where things change, it's because of him. I think. I think mm-hmm. it's because of what he can do at the end of the stri- at the end of the year. It's on the main guys too, to be clear, like Lundy, Pickett, all those guys. Uh, but I think Mahaffey is going to have like a pretty enormous impact one way or another. And and listen, don't people don't need to like heap blame on him if things things don't go well because I know there's a tendency to do that. He is a freshman after all, yeah. but I do think he's good enough to change things in a positive direction uh, and. And like you said, like they need that. They need that uptick. They need it doesn't even have to be like four or five in a row. They need like two or three in a row, just like one time. Yeah, yeah. That's all you need. And and, and for him, players feed off it. You know what I mean? People players feed off the energy. They play players feed off the hustle. And even coaches do. When they see a player diving around making plays and, and doing all the little the little dirty work. Coaches see that and they love it, and it starts to feed them into them. They're they're telling guys to get up, pick it up. They, their play calls, their play calls actually change. I've seen it, and you know, in my own eyes, and be like, hey, hey, we haven't ran that in a while, but now we're running it because the the juice of the game has changed. The the flow of the game, he's changed the game as far as he got the guys going up and down. Guys are hitting trees tr- uh, threes now, and now everybody's celebrating. And then one of the biggest things you want to do, especially when we talk about on the road, is to make the other team call a timeout. And you know, hustle plays make other teams call times out timeout so again you know his his role is going to start getting bigger which which i'm hoping for i think and that means he's playing well he's helping the team and um hopefully you know it'll turn into help out with some wins and making other teams call timeout yeah and, and you know the, I, I gotta imagine there's nothing better than than silencing an away crowd right and oh, uh, he's the kind of guy who makes those hustle plays that like 
you know, those big transition dunks. He's already had a few, like especially mm-hmm. off of like uh, you know offensive rebounds. He gets those putbacks, so he he's going to drive energy one way or another, you know, and he's going to dictate a lot. And it's a lot to put on a freshman, but I, I think at this point he can handle it. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's probably a good place to leave it though today. Uh, yeah. I covered a lot of ground here. I I am like I'm curious, man. It's this is they have a chance to be different, but but we'll see if they can actually uh, do it. This is like kind of. Uh, this is the time where, where the change has to happen or the, the switch has to flip, so to speak. Uh, but if you enjoyed this podcast, you can find it on YouTube at Beyond Big Ten uh, on video. You can find it anywhere you find podcasts, Apple Pods, Spotify, uh, Amazon, you name it. It's probably there. Uh, you can find Tim on Twitter at TimPhrase23. You can find me on Twitter at, at John Sauber and all my writing at CenterDaily.com. Um, you can find the podcast on all of the social media, uh, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at, at Beyond the Big Ten. Thanks for tuning in. And have a great day. Beyond the Big Ten is a network of podcasts that aims to be your go-to resource for all things Big Ten. We cover the entire conference with shows hosted by ex-players and athletic alumni, aiming to be your go-to source of information and entertainment for your favorite team. Hosted by ex-Big Ten players, media, and insiders, our podcasts are focused on giving diehard fans and those alums an inside scoop about the teams and people that make the Big Ten Conference one of the most watched and most talked about conferences in sports. We're excited to talk Big Ten basketball with you wherever you may be. Subscribe now.